0: What up, Rinku Army and New Japan fans. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows. And on this lovely episode of the Square Circle Podcast, I am going over night one of New Japan Pro Wrestling, the G131 Climax. Yes, I know I am extremely late. The first night started on September 18th. But guess what? Your homegirl was on a bunch of podcasts that she thoroughly enjoyed had fun talking about various topics, such as my WWE days. I got picked up by a bunch of wrestling news sites, such as Ringside News, Fightful, Sportskeeda, Wrestlelamia. Lamia. And others that had broken the story as well. And it's a true story. So you don't have to worry about if ringside news is lying or not, but it is a true story. And so other podcasters wanted me on their shows to talk about my WWE days, to talk about how I feel about professional wrestling, my thoughts on professional wrestling and thoughts on Dark Side of the Ring episodes and among other topics as well. So I just lend in my voice to everybody and had a very fun time talking with each of the great hosts that had me on their show. So, for example, I always love going up perched on the top rope. We do have a brand new episode Coming out today for Extreme Rules, so make sure to go check that out. I was also on According to Woods. He is an amazing podcast host, and I love talking about him. We talked about various states. In professional wrestling and the way that I look at it, the philosophy, I look at professional wrestling. I was also on... Thomas Island, which was a great podcast with two great hosts, such as Ross and Tama Tonga himself. And I felt really spoiled that Tama was there because he's currently in the G1 and he's my pick to be the winner of the whole entire G1. So I wasn't expecting him to be on the podcast because you know, he has to go train, he has to focus, but I felt really spoiled and honored at the same time that Tama was there. And I was so glad that I was able to tell him my Bullet Club story of my WWE days. That was a really great talk from start to finish. And, you know, I would always love to be back on Thomas Island to just talk shit because it's quite fun. And then also I was on the roundtable pro wrestling podcast, which was a last minute decision. And I was like, fuck it, let's go on this podcast. And since they're on the West Coast, it would have been eight o'clock for them. It was 11 p.m. for me. So I went to sleep around maybe like two o'clock in the morning that day. Uh, but the podcast was fun. We were talking about Dark Side of the Ring and Bad Blood is just an amazing host on the show. Like he made me feel really comfortable. I've been feeling really comfortable lately going on these podcasts that just talking about professional wrestling and it's definitely helping me get out of my comfort zone. And I know that I could do the same thing if I go and interview wrestlers like there's a part of me that's starting to feel like, fuck it, just go out and do it. And do it to the best of your ability. The only thing that always holds me back is that I don't want to sound stupid and I don't ever want to make the person I'm interviewing look stupid while we're there answering questions. But I think what really set that for me is this week's episode of Perched on the Top Rope where Lee had former writer Rob on the show and we just talked about the job and the description of it and you know I learned a lot from him and you guys will be able to hear that too Because I have my own copy of it. So you guys will be able to hear that here on the Square Circle Podcast. Also on the YouTube side, youtube.com forward slash square circle podcast. And also on the Patreon side, because this takes a lot of work and effort on everyone's front. So if you guys wanna throw some dollar bills at me, you guys can go out to patreon.com forward slash Marie Shadows. And I know that I'm getting off on a tangent. Aside from going over the G1, but I just want to let you guys know what I've been doing for the past couple of days that I have now been putting out content. I've been putting out content with other podcasters that I love and I'm always down to work with them again and work with any other podcasters out there. Just make sure to DM me at Marie underscore shadows. That's the only way you'll get a response. I will not respond to people who ask on the Twitter timeline just because that's a private thing. So just respect that and just DM me at Marie underscore shadows. I'm not too much of a hard ass, but you know, I'll gladly If it's right beyond your podcast, I have worked with so many other podcasters in the past and they've all been really, really great. So now that you know where I've been towards the end of this podcast, I really do hope you stay for the entirety of this podcast episode. I have more news to drop that you guys are going to be very interested in. But I really do want to get to the main focus of this podcast episode, which is going over night one of New Japan Pro Wrestling. So I'm going to be going over each and every match for night one. This is the A Block. I do have my notes, so you guys will probably get some play-by-play features just because I want to make sure you guys understand the story that was told in each of the matches from what I can gather. But going forward to review the rest of the nights, since I'm really far behind, I'm only going to pick two matches from each of the rest of the nights that I missed. And one will be a match you must see. And the other one is going to be an honorable mention. So, for example, for September 18th, the match you definitely have to see is Ishii versus Shingo. And then the honorable mention has to go to Yujiro versus Ibushi. Just on the simple fact that Yujiro got a pin over Ibushi. And Ibushi started out with zero points at the beginning of this tournament despite Naito having to get a knee injury, and everyone gains two points. So let's not waste any more time, and let's jump right into Yujiro versus Ibushi. Who would ever thought that this match would ever happen on New Japan World, on New Japan Pro Wrestling, in the G1 Climax, no less? This G1 Climax for this year has definitely been 1,000% meaning that each and every wrestler is giving it their all, and you can definitely tell that they're hungry and that they definitely want to be the face of New Japan Pro Wrestling and show management that they're definitely able to carry that flag of representing New Japan Pro Wrestling. Ever since Ibushi came back from his illness, he has definitely been a step behind everyone else, and it's kind of worrisome to me because... I always want to see Ibushi in tip-top shape. And when Abushi is in tip-top shape, he produces amazing matches. And his match with Yujiro and his other matches in this G1 is definitely testing his limits. Definitely testing how much air can be in his lungs after the illness that he suffered. And he puts up a great fight between Yujiro and also Zack Sabre Jr. and Ishii. But I really do think that maybe he wasn't ready to have this G1, even though it's a really great test to see how far he can go. And, you know, it just worries me. At the start of this match, Yujiro is definitely in control of Ibushi and trying really early to get the demon Ibushi out in the early going, which I'm like, I know you're part of House of Torture. But let's not do that with Ibushi, okay? Ibushi does manage to get some type of advantage when Yujiro does a drop down and comes right back up only to get drop kicked by Ibushi. And then Ibushi takes over from there. However, as Yujiro is sensing danger at this point, he pushes Ibushi to the outside and pushing him into the ring post, he goes chest first into that. Ibushi goes chest first into that. And then Peter, who is out on the outside, distracts the referee and that allows Yujiro to use the walking stick on Ibushi and is choking him with it. The referee turns around and basically yell at Yujiro for the distraction. And then we have a big boot and Abushi kicks out at one. At this point, Ibushi is very difficult to take down. And if he's kicking out at one, he still has some fighting spirit left in after all of that. Ibushi comes in with a spin kick to Yudro and then the strikes combination with the moonsault. Yudro kicks out of that, and then rolls to the outside to gain some breather in this match, and stops Ibushi from doing the golden triangle move that we all love to see. Yudro then does a fisherman buster, and this is where Ibushi kicks out again. Ubushi tries to manage some offense with a simple head kick to Yujiro and then does a sit-out powerbomb. However, Yujiro kicks out. Both Yujiro and Ibushi are two stubborn fighters that aren't going to give up so easily. And despite Ibushi still recovering from his illness, he still manages to put up a great fight against Yujiro. However... Ibushi sets up Yujiro for the Kamigori. However, that is avoided. And then, of course, without thinking, Yujiro does a low blow. That seems to be the ongoing trope in Bullet Club to do low blows. And it's annoying. To be honest, it really is. So we get a low blow by Ujuro, And Then Yujiro's finisher, which is now called the Big Juice, no longer pimp juice. So I'm gonna have to remind myself that. Yujo hits his finisher, the big juice, on Ibushi. However, Abushi kicks out of that. And now Yujo is wondering how he's gonna put Ibushi away. He picks up Ibushi and does a face buster to Kota Ibushi and then covers him picks up the one, two, three, and Yudro surprisingly gets the victory over Ibushi. And this is why I award the honorable mention for this match, because who would have thought that Ibushi would have lost his first round A block G131 climax against Yudro from the Bullet Club of all people. Ibushi is the shining light. He is the golden star. He is what is supposed to be represented as hope. And he lost against the house of torture that represents the darkness, the evil within New Japan Pro Wrestling. So for Ibushi to lose, it's not looking great for the golden star right now. The second match for A Block for the G1 Climax was... Tungaloa taking on the Great Okan. This match, I would have given the honorable mention to because this was a really good match back and forth. Tungaloa is such a warrior that I really enjoy his single matches. And I understand a little bit more about the dynamic that makes the Guerrillas of Destiny so great as a tag team. And it's because they play off of their strengths and obviously weaknesses are hidden. And the only weaknesses that Is a Destiny has is being too hot-headed and to think that you're the shit when your opponent can definitely do an inside cradle or a roll-up for one, two, three and win the match. We saw it many times. And that's the only type of weakness that I can see whenever... Tangaloa and Tamatanga get together for a tag team match, but their strengths are definitely amazing, and they definitely dominate their tag team matches. Right now, we're talking about singles action, and like I said, Tungaloa is definitely a warrior, and he is one of my picks to win the G one. If it's not Loa, the second one is going to have to be Tamatanga. If it's not Tama, then Kenta. But right now, Zack Sabre Jr. is definitely making a valuable case for why he might end up winning this G1. And I'll get into that later into the other episodes of the Square Circle podcast. But let's focus on Tangaloa versus The Great O'Conn. The Great O'Conn has been doing amazing in the United Empire and as a singles competitor in this G1 Climax. I've never had any doubt about the Great O'Khan. I just never really understood him. And then once joining the United Empire and coming into his own character and the way that he wrestles inside the ring and the way that he wears his gear, depending on what he's doing. So if he's in singles action, like the G1 is, he's wearing long pants. He's looking like a genie per se. If he's in a tag team match, he's going back to Young Lion status, where it's just Black trunks, short black boots, and some knee pads. And that's a very great storytelling aspect that Great O'Conn has. Great O'Conn definitely has a mind for this business, and he's going to be an absolute best wrestler all around. He could definitely go the distance in the ring and then outside the ring, he's really good with social media. He tends to be a little horny sometimes on social media, but other than that, he is a really great asset to the United empire that makes it interesting. That makes it worthwhile to watch how the United empire grows and definitely how will Ospreay operates the United empire. But I think that we can all agree and maybe speculate that Jeff Cobb might be the right person to take over if Osprey keeps doing Osprey things. But let me not jinx anything. The Great Ocon has definitely come into his own and definitely has made watching his matches worthwhile. And then also making the United Empire as a whole feel like a United Empire. When these two, Loa and Grado Khan face each other inside the ring, you can definitely tell that they are powerful wrestlers and they start off with a test of strength, some bear hugs, and Grado Khan goes into shoulder blocks and knocks Loa out and Loa rolls out to the outside of the ring to catch his breath to refocus with Jotto to make sure that their strategy is on point. Loa comes back into the ring and is met with some Magolian chops. However, Loa stops this with a spear and then does a leg drop and covers the Great O'Conn, however the Great O'Conn kicks out. It's not going to be that easy in order to put the Great O'Conn down. Then we get the first outside interference by Jado. Jotto uses a Kindle stick on the Great O'Conn and... The Great Khan goes to the outside and this is where Bullet Club is dangerous. I mentioned before on this podcast that you do not want to fight Bullet Club tactics if you fight with Bullet Club tactics or even entertain the idea that you can survive Bullet Club tactics think again, bullet club is most vicious and destructive when it comes to the outside. They know how to use their environment and for the longest wrestlers know this and I know they have to comply with everything. However, if you're a smart wrestler, stay inside the ring so that way bullet club members do not take advantage of the outside area, especially the barricades, especially the tables. So you can live to fight another day. However, Loa takes advantage of the situation by sending the Great Ocon spine first into the edge of the ring. And then doing a snap suplex to the Great Ocon. Loa then rolls back into the ring and tries to use this time to get a count out win. However, the Great Ocon rolls back into the ring And the Great Ocon punches Loa to try and create some distance between the two. However, Loa is just eating those punches. This guy can absorb a lot of punishment. So the Great Ocon grabs Loa's ear to try to create an opening. But Loa counters that and does a spine buster to the Great Khan, Goes for a pin cover, but Khan kicks out. And this is where you can hear the frustration and see the frustration from Loa as he begins to talk shit to the Great O'Khan. All Loa wants is a very good match and definitely wants someone of his caliber to bring the same ferocious destructiveness that he does. And because... And because of all that talking shit, it fires up the Great Okan. The Great Okan comes in with a buster to Loa and then also proceeds to do some more Mongolian chops to him and manages to get Loa in the corner for the Tree of Woe, where the Great Ocon comes in with a sliding drop dropkick. And then Jado tries to come up on the apron and does another interference. However, the Great Ocon is there to give some chops to Jado and then a huge face buster and cover is given to Loa. However, Loa kicks out and the Great Ocon has to think of something else to try to put Loa away. The Great Ocon then decides to do a bicycle kick. However, Loa had that scouted and avoids the move to where again, Dotto can interfere and hits the Great Ocon with a candlestick. Please stop having so many interferences in Bullet Club matches. Please. Then Loa comes in with a huge clothesline to the Great Ocon and goes for a cover. However, the Great Ocon kicks out of that. And then Loa switches to have the Jotto Killer finisher, which is a crossface, on the Great Ocon and see if he taps out. However, the Great Ocon is very ring savvy and knows where he's at. So he crawls his way to the rope and causes a rope break. Loa picks up the Great O'Conn, puts him in the corner, delivers some clotheslines in the corner, and then does a blue thunder bomb to see if that will be enough to have the Great O'Conn submit. But it doesn't, and the Great O'Conn kicks out again. Loa then does his own. Loa Golian chops. I think I'm clever by doing that. Loa hits his own Megolian chops on the Great Okan. However, the Great Okan does a backdrop on Loa as a counter to create some distance between them again. However, the Great Okan goes for his patented choke into a backbreaker and then tries to do his finisher, the eliminator, on Loa. However, Loa avoids. And it seems that throughout this whole entire match... Loa has been scouting the Great Khan and knowing when to avoid this, when to avoid that. But throughout this whole entire match, it has been evenly paced, evenly matched, despite Jotto always interfering. So Loa manages to avoid the Great O'Khan's finisher, which is the Eliminator, by doing a jumping in Seguri. And then doing a power bomb, a really powerful power bomb, all puns intended, to the Great Ocon, tries to go for a cover, but then kicks out. And Loa is probably wondering what he has to do next. However, the Great Okan finally manages to get his finisher on Loa doing the eliminator and goes for the cover. One, two, three. Unfortunately, Loa does not kick out. The great comp picks up the victory and earns his two points in this match. This match was really good and it was really different. It was a fresh style and a fresh storytelling between the two. You have Loa who is the warrior. Of the Bullet Club and the warrior of the Gorillas of Destiny, he does go by the nickname of the Silverback. And he does a great job of being the big guy, of being the one that can absorb all of the punishment and will also give all the punishment to his opponents and knows how to use the ring, knows how to use the outside environment to his advantage and can stop his opponents at every point. And the Great O'Con just wants to be recognized as one of the greatest wrestlers to have an in-ring ability that can be both tag team singles and definitely pull out that amateur background. The cool thing about this is that both Loa and the Great O'Con have an amateur background. And I think that's why it worked really well, because both of them will know how to counter each other and how to be one step ahead of each other. And I really do think that in this one, it felt like the Great Ocon was just a tiny bit more ahead of Loa when it came to their match. Loa is fantastic. The Great O'Conn is fantastic. Put them together to tell a story of who wants it more. And unfortunately, it had to be the great Okan to pick up his first two points in block A of the G1 Climax. I was pulling for Loa. Like I said, it's either going to be Loa, Tama or Kenta to pick up the victory here for the G1 Climax. But this match would have gotten the honorable mention if it wasn't for Yujiro picking up the win against Ibushi in the first match. But then again, both of these guys told a really good story of who wanted more and who could definitely outdo the other one. Oh, and we finally got what I have been asking for forever on this podcast. I have been asking for a feud between the United Empire and Bullet Club. And Loa versus the Great O'Connor delivered on that of what it might look like in the future if we ever get down to a United Empire versus Bullet Club. Like, I really want to do that. Like months ago in New Japan Pro Wrestling, when we had Will Ospreay over here and also Jay White over here and everyone else, Will Ospreay leading the United Empire, making it feel like it's bigger than Bullet Club. And Bullet Club has been staking their claim forever and been having their teeth held on to the very essence of that. They are the ones in charge and having these two guys tell an amazing story. And when I say two guys, I mean like what Jay White will always say at the end of his promos. And then what Osprey will say, these guys are very good at what they do and they're very ambitious, So because I was so enthralled in their own storylines that were separate from each other, I kept saying on this podcast that we need to have the United Empire feuding with Bullet Club. And this is what I got. I got to watch Loa versus the Great Ocon. And that was just a glimpse of maybe it can happen in the future. So I'm going to be hopeful for that. Our next match on the A Block G131 climax is Yano versus Kenta. Yano versus Kenta was a surprisingly okay match. It is definitely a comedy match, but it has some wrestling merit to it because it has Kenta in it. And I'm not really going to get into the specifics like I was getting into the specifics of the previous match. Just know that we start out with. Both of these guys having tape everywhere so that way they can like cheat during this match and the referee knows this. There were shenanigans, but in the end, somehow, always, Yano picks up the victory against Kenta and I honestly did not like that at all. And something needs to be done about all of these low blows. Like, seriously, the only reason why Yano won against Kenta is because he low blow Kenta and then one, two, three, and that's it. Like, can we please stop with the low blows? Like, I would really appreciate it. I would. So, unfortunately, Kenta loses to Yano. The next match is Naito versus Zack Zaber Jr. And this is where the tournament for block a tends to fall apart and it's because naito suffers a knee injury in the midst of this match and it happens towards the end of the match now granted zach Zaver jr has been working on the knee from the start of the match all the way to the finish of the match he knows that naito has messed up knees It's been well documented and I don't understand why Naito doesn't take a vacation to really heal his body. There's nothing more that Naito can really give or. Naito really doesn't need to prove anything. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm glad that he's still wrestling. I'm glad that he can still entertain the fans. And I really do like how he interacts with certain wrestlers. It's really great. However, because he has these knee problems that again, has been well-documented. What's the point of continuing to wrestle and further endanger your health and your longevity, not only in the sport of professional wrestling, but in life as well, because The last thing anyone wants is to hear Naito retire. I know there's certain people out there that would like to hear that, but no one really wants to hear their favorite wrestler retire. And Naito is not my favorite wrestler by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm just putting it out there as an example. If Naito took the time off to have a vacation, it's fine. And I also mentioned this on Thomas Island that it feels like LIJ is cursed. While we have Shingo as the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, Hiromu just came back from injury because he accidentally injured his shoulder. Bushi is still okay and working. Sonata is okay and working and then now we have Naito that needs to be on the shelf and miss out for the rest of the tournament and miss out for however long that injury is going to take to heal he ripped his MCL and then also some cartilage damage as well so that's gonna take a while maybe like six months nine months who knows a year but again naito needs that vacation i don't think naito has anything else to prove to the rest of new japan fans and to the rest of american fans why he needs to be in certain situations now i understand that sometimes wrestlers want to go after the gold hell i want to hold gold too but if i know that my health has not always been great because of past injuries don't push it zach Zack Sabre Jr. in this match is definitely a dangerous wrestler. On commentary, I believe it was Chris Charlton that mentioned that Zack Sabre Jr. switches his submissions every six seconds if it does not get the opponent to tap out right away. That is a dangerous wrestler and that is a dangerous game to play. And it really does make you think differently about Zack Zaber Jr. heading into this G1 climax only because the G1 is the very best of the best. And Zack Zaber Jr. has proven throughout all the other nights that he is definitely going to be the best of the best and that he's going to definitely destroy people with his submissions. We saw it here with him versus Naito. So because he's been working on the knee all the way through, It happens when there goes for this weird Zack Driver slash Destino where Naito lands horribly on his leg. And you can see the reaction in Naito's face that he's like, fuck it happened again or just something like he knew like he knew he was probably in pain but he knew that oh man my knee there there it goes there it goes again i'm gonna be on the shelf and then that's when zach Zabel jr took advantage of naito and put naito in this submission that naito had to tap out Naito was not going to go to the ropes to cause a rope break to further continue the damage and further continue the match. So Naito did live to see another day. He's probably going to end up getting knee surgery and then being out. But Zach Sabre Jr. is such a dangerous wrestler that he's able to put these guys through hell, putting himself through hell and putting guys through hell by stretching them out and doing some really crazy-ass submissions. So, Zach Zabier Jr. is definitely back in 100% form of the Zach Xavier Jr. that I know that I watched previous matches from him. So, I'm glad for that. So, Zach Zabier Jr. picks up his two points for the first night of Block A for the G1 Climax. And now we come to the main event of Night 1, A Block, September 18th, G1 Climax. And I really thank each and every one of you for making it this far into the podcast and listening to everything that I have to say about New Japan Pro Wrestling and how I analyze these matches. Our main event is Ishii versus Shingo. And this was an amazing match. This had two bulls go at it, and it really delivered. Ishii is definitely not afraid of no man. Ishii will give you dagger eyes, like I said before. Ishii is an amazing wrestler. He does a lot of body language, so pay attention to when he's in the ring and how he acts towards his opponents and the death stare that he gives to people. See, with someone like Ishii that has no hair, he has to work... 10 times harder to make you feel something in his matches because he doesn't talk a lot he does not use his promo skills a lot when he goes after these guys and creates a feud or something like that so you have to pay attention to the body language to his eyes his eyes are his way of storytelling on his own terms And that's very different from how other wrestlers do their storytelling. And this is why Ishii is so unique in New Japan Pro Wrestling on the way that he tells his stories. Shingo, on the other hand, tells his stories in a very unique way. And that's with his promos and the words that he chooses and the way that he Says things with certain facial expressions, but you know through and through that Shingo is a badass and that Shingo is definitely the dragon that we should all fear in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And he has definitely been carrying that banner for a good while, especially being the IWGP world heavyweight champion. Now, do I think that he is the real champion or do I think that Osprey is the champion? What I want is these two to finally face in the ring and settle it once and for all to see who is the real and champion worthy to hold the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship title. Now, the story told between Ishii and Shingo is definitely that fighting spirit that New Japan Pro Wrestling loves to instill into everybody, whether they are gaijin or actual Japanese wrestlers. Each one of these wrestlers had that fighting spirit because nobody wants to give up. Everyone has ambitions. Everyone has their perseverance. And everyone wants to wrestle the very best. Ishii and Shingo are the very best. And this is why they were in the main event. They definitely started out with some tests of strength to see who can knock down who, who could definitely absorb more power. We do know that Ishii could definitely absorb a lot of power. We definitely know that Shingo can too. And Shingo can definitely dish it out, especially with that Lariat, that pumping bomber that Shingo has. This match had a lot of forearms and chop exchange. There was some different offenses here and there, like a vertical suplex into a superplex, some headbutts, some lariats. This was a true power struggle of a match, and it definitely delivered. one point, you could definitely see Ishii's stubbornness and his determination to not give up, to not falter when he could not get the suplex on Shingo and decided to do it again by putting Shingo on the top rope to do a superplex. Ishii was definitely determined to make sure that happens. At that point, Ichi tried for a cover. However, Shingo kicked out. Shingo at one point cries for the made in Japan move. However, it is countered by Ichi, and Shingo answers that with a lariat. Both of these guys do headbutts on each other. And then another flurry of forearms coming from Ishii. Shingo stops all that to do Made in Japan on Ishii. But again, Ishii is not going to be laying down that easily. Ishii kicks out of that. They keep going back and forth between their powerful move sets until Shingo manages with the last little bit of strength and the will to win the A block goes and does the last of the dragon to ishii and this finally puts ishii away one two three shingo wins and shingo has his two points so overall the a block for night one of september 18th of the g1 climax was definitely a fun show to watch you guys should go back and watch it like i said the main event is a must-see match and then The honorable mention goes to Yujiro versus Ibushi, just on the fact that Ibushi lost. So let's look at what's coming up next on the Square Circle Podcast. So I will not be doing the same format for the nights that I miss. So that means the 19th I've missed, the 23rd I missed, the 24th I missed, and I just watched the recent one, which is the 26th of September So what I'm going to do is that I'm only going to talk about the two matches. So you guys are going to get what I think was the best match of that night. And then also the honorable mention. Not every one of them is something to be remembered. Like on the 19th, I really don't remember what went down between Yoshihashi versus Evil. Like I didn't even know they fought in the G1 on the 19th. I do remember a little bit of... Jeff Cobb versus Chase Owens. But what I really, really want to do is break down Tama Tonga versus Sonata. Just because I had that talk with Tama on Thomas Island about his match and like how great it is. And I really do believe that both him and Sonata will have a great feud if it ever goes that far. And I do believe that Tama was right, that he could bring out a different side of Sonata Because Sonata has just been floating around, hasn't really done much to excite myself to really try to get into his character and to tell you guys what his character is. He is definitely one of the best in-ring performers, but when it comes to his promo skills, it's definitely lacking. And he's always said that he doesn't have enough confidence in his promo skills. Well, guess what? I can help you with that. Even though we have a language barrier, but I have no problem helping you try to get out of your comfort zone and see what works for you and what doesn't work for you. We all know that Tamatanga loves talking a lot of shit and he has no problem saying what he says and he's a amazing guy in the process of all that. And he means well when he talks shit to you. He really does. But I really do want to go in depth to Tama versus Sonata and really break that down just because I love doing that. And he was really surprised when I said that on Thomas Island that that's what I do. I break down matches and I could definitely see how it works for story and just analyze things. I do this way different than any other podcaster out there. And I love what I do. I really, really do. So that is what's coming up on the Square Circle Podcast. I will only be just taking two matches out of the rest of the week and then letting you guys know that you should go back and watch any of the shows on New Japan World. It is only a 9 dollars subscription, so make sure to get it on njpwworld.com. Looking ahead to the future of the Square Circle Podcast, I will be adding MLW. That's right, Major League Wrestling Recaps of their show on YouTube, MOW Fusion Alpha. They just came back this past Wednesday on YouTube, which you could find them on youtube.com forward slash major league wrestling. And I will also be at the 2300 Arena October 2nd covering MOW Fightland live and in person. So I'll be able to have some cool vlogs for you guys. So make sure to look out on the Patreon side. That is going to be exclusive to Patreon. So make sure to at least get the two tier or the three tier the two tier is definitely seven dollars a month and that includes the podcast and vlog life and And then tier three, which is $20 a month, includes everything and more. So you get to definitely talk with me more, make some suggestions. We'll go live on live streams. You will have it all. You're VIP. That is why it's $20 a month. And then we have the $7 a month for just the podcast and the vlog without any type of ads. And when I say ads, I mean ads from anchor.fm forward slash square circle Podcasts that ad helps me get 25 cents per listen of my podcast episodes and these podcast episodes. And just talking about wrestling in general takes time and effort on my part to make sure that they get out on the right time and to make sure that I am talking the best of my ability and to make sure that my breakdowns are worthy of your time and your support. So MOW is definitely coming to the square circle podcast I will be reviewing the shows, giving you a recap, and definitely letting you in on the vlogs. So please make sure to head over to patreon.com forward slash Marie Shadows in order to become a part of the family. Because remember, guys, we are making wrestling memories together. And as you and I, it's always been a ring crew army. And without ring crew, which is the fans that helped me get through this podcast, other people's podcasts and anywhere I could lend my voice, we do it together as a group and as a unit. And you guys are amazing for sitting here and listening to me rant and talk about things. Like I said, I love what I do. I am totally a different breed when it comes to podcasting. I have a different mind for the wrestling business and just the creative aspect of it. And if you enjoy grinders and if you enjoy creative female content creators in the wrestling space, just make sure to definitely help support that way. Patreon.com forward slash Marie Shadows. I will definitely be looking forward to all your comments and thoughts. Make sure to leave a like and subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash square circle podcast. And let me know what you think. If you feel like the audio side of the square circle podcast needs some tips, you can definitely throw some tips at anchor.fm forward slash square circle podcast, where there is a support button if you want to make sure that I get more than 25 cents her ad it is up to you but i really do love what i do so anchor.fm forward slash square circle podcast is where this audio podcast episode will be on and again if you want to follow me at the patreon to make sure that you are part of the family because we're making wrestling memories together patreon.com forward slash marie shadows and if you like Twitter, like I do, and like talking wrestling on Twitter, like I do, and do it 24-7, make sure you're following me at Twitter, at Marie underscore Shadows. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to an episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows, and I'll see you guys on the next one.